honestly a dream come true. I've, I've always looked up to that team and I never really thought I'd get a shot, especially this early in my career. So I'm super thankful to be given this opportunity so early in my career. And Episode 81, Tank Slapping Podcast. Got a pre-Christmas edition pod going on tonight. On the other side of the mic, we got Frankie Garcia. How you doing, dude? What's up, man? Oh, I'm doing well. I uh, coming off a little 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 crash at Chuckwalla uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, kind of beat myself up during uh, during that little spill. But uh, other than that, uh, I spent this last weekend uh, on a little road trip with Moto America, and uh, we went on a little bagger road trip for a little. Uh, a uh, little uh, web episode uh, series, and uh, I think it's going to be really cool. I took some of the guys from Bell and uh, Jeff Holt from V-Twin Visionary, all on Indian Challengers, and we rode through the desert, uh, camped out one night, hit Chuck Walla. Uh, I think it's going to be really cool when it comes out, but yeah, I'm just trying to uh, recover from that and uh, get ready for, for Christmas here. Love it, man. Yeah, I know we talked about it on the last show. Uh, I followed a little bit of the content on your Instagram stories and look like a good time. Uh, I want to give a shout out to, speaking of Bell, our sponsors that make the show happen. And and Benny and Kyle, they're a huge part of what we do and what we've been doing. Also, a shout out to Chris Killian, who uh, helped us out quite a bit from Bell. But really good people over there, over there at Bell that are... Uh, really are just invested in the sport. They all ride. They all have a passion for motorcycling and the products just speak for themselves. If you do your research or, or actually grab one of those bell helmets and look at it, you'll be like, damn, this thing is prime top of the line helmets, the race star flex, the moto nine moto 10 The moto 10 is it's like way ahead of its time. It's such a phenomenal helmet. Um, just really stoked to have bell on board with our podcast as we say every show, the quality and safety is unmatched. If you start tank slapping, you want to be protected by Bell. Another shout out to Yamaha Motors Racing and I'm sorry, Yamaha Motors and Yamaha Racing. Check out their website at yamahamotorsports.com. Yamaha, huge supporter of uh, flat track, the industry. They do a lot for our podcast. They are the uh, manufacturer contingency sponsor of the Winter Throwdown and just really stoked to have Yamaha on board and just supporting what we do here at, on our show. Indian Motorcycle. Tonight, we didn't get to our guest yet, Frankie, but our second guest on the show is Gary Gray from Indian Motorcycle. Pretty much uh, one of the main guys that, if not the main guy, well, I don't know. The boss. Title. Yeah, the boss. He's the boss. It's the boss from Indian Motorcycle. He's the boss. Uh, we'll, we'll get him on the show, man. And I know he's a, he's a listener. He tunes in quite a bit, but we really appreciate Gary sponsoring our show he's he was a fan of the show he came on board we chatted and they came on board as a sponsor and just everything they do for the sport man they're a really fun brand they're involved in bagger racing hooligan racing obviously american flat track and a lot of news lately with the indy motorcycle and the ft ftr 750 we'll we'll talk about that here in a minute before we get our first guest on uh but yeah let's you know we'll we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a bit but yeah, Indian Motorcycle, they've, since 1901, they've been the choice of riders who make their own rules. Go to a local dealership near you, test ride a bike, 
check out what you like and uh, and take one home. I'm gonna talk to Gary Wise on the on the pod here and see if see if there's like a bonus deal for um, podcast guys. Like you know, if I could get a scout bobber or challenger, see if we can work some deals there and and get one. Uh, I'd I'd love to I'd love to have one. Just I'll just see if he'll give me one or two. I'm sure they got a few extra laying around. They can just uh they can just <laughs> shit, shit me one over, but. Uh, yeah. Ask for a challenger, man. You're going to want that challenger. Yeah. I'd, I'd dude, me on a challenger. That'd be, whew, that'd be awesome. Uh, it, it'd be trouble, but it'd be amazing. So yeah, we just appreciate it. All Indian does not only for our podcast, but for the industry in general, and as well as roof systems of Dallas, Texas, Jerry Stinchfield and his team, commercial and industrial roofing company with nearly 40 years of experience. Check out his website, commercialroofsystems.net. We appreciate everything Jerry does for us and the flat track sport in general. But we got a few minutes before we bring on our first guest. I don't even know if we talked about it yet. I know we kind of hinted last episode we were going to bring on Cody Cobb. Big news uh, drop with Cody, Frankie, just a few days ago. Dude, super exciting. I had Cody at my house for the last week. Uh, obviously, I live, you know, about three minutes away from KTM. And uh, he came down and uh, I won't, I'll let him, I'll let him uh, talk about what he was doing down there. But he stayed at my house and uh, I had a good time with the kid, man. I mean, I've always liked the guy. Um, his dad's obviously a legend. But man, Cody is such a mature and just kind and respectful kid. I mean, there's nobody that, uh, you know, deserved that ride more than he did. So congrats to him coming off his rookie season and, and jumping on a factory bike. It's really exciting. And, and like I said, uh, nobody that deserved it more than he did. And, you know, he, I think him and Max are going to are gonna uh, kind of feed off each other this year. I think it's going to be a real good thing for KTM. Yeah, he's all right, I guess. Uh, no, I'm just messing. He's... He's a good kid, dude. I, I've I've gone the bat for him for a while. I keep telling him, I'm like, bro, I like you. Don't be one of those shithead singles riders that gets all cocky and confident. And he, I don't think he will. Having having Joe as a mentor obviously helps quite a bit. Legendary Joe Cobb is his father. For those who Moke. don't know, Joe is uh well, I think he won it. I think he won the flat track championship in 2000. I think it was 2000. He was the overall Grand National champion. And I really like Joe as far as the older he got up into his early forties, he seemed to get better and better on a motorcycle. Like he was a championship contender into his early forties, which is I'm getting a little bit older. I look to guys like that and I'm just inspired by like the Josh Hayes, the Joe cop. And then, you know, in the athletics world, obviously Tom Brady and guys like that, who, who keep a high level of fitness as they get older. It's, it's certainly not easy. And, um, yeah, so Joe, definitely look up to Joe and just stoked to get Cody on and chat with him a little bit, man. It's it's very uncommon. We haven't had too many current singles riders on the show. I know we're, we're, we've had Max on, and I want to say there's a couple more we've had on the show, but, uh, you know, getting some of these young kids on the, on the pod is definitely fun. And I know Cody and his pops, they listen to quite a bit of our episodes. So, yeah, we'll get him on here in a minute. Real quick, I just wanted to kind of – uh, they, they dropped some, I guess it's the official rule book. And, you know, we're just touching upon this. I'm sure we'll talk about it more when we get Gary Gray on the pod later in the show, but, you know, we talked about the rules. Uh, it was like the proposed rules a couple episodes ago, Robbie Bobby was on. That was one of the ones you were, you were busy and you couldn't make. So we had Robbie Bobby on, we talked about the proposed rules, um, 
But yeah, so basically I'll just touch upon them quick and we'll, we're not going to get into them too much because there's really nothing more than what we've already talked about during that whole episode. But um, biggest news, Frankie, no buy-in for super twins. They, they've taken the buy-in away. They needed to do that. I don't think that was ever a necessary thing. Um, You know, I get that it limited it to, you know, a, a certain amount of riders, but I mean, American flat track is, you know, to keep that sport growing and keep it going. I, I think they need to make it very accessible to teams and riders. And obviously having a buy-in like that is, I don't know. I think it's kind of ridiculous. I don't think it ever should have happened. Um, but, you know, you got to try things. And, you know, obviously AFT is all about trying new things and doing different things. So um, I'm glad they learned that that wasn't a necessary situation and, and they've taken that away. So that's, that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, pretty much everything you just said, I agree with uh, a couple of the, the biggest rule change that I think the um, that, you yeah. know, in any motorcycle, it, it'll directly affect them was they went, they initially had 32 millimeter, 32 millimeter restrictors, which I've heard took away like 20 horsepower on the dyno. Uh, and now they went up to 34 in this red line rule book, which, should help quite a bit, but it's still a quite, you know, it's quite a hindrance from where they were initially. Uh, like I said, man, I hate the R word. I hate the word restrict. It's, it gives me nightmares being, being a flat track fan. So uh, yeah, like I said, we're not going to get into, into any more, any of this too much because we've already talked uh, about it. If you go back, I think it was episode 79. Uh, you go back and listen to, to it. And then uh, yeah, they changed the, the wheel weight. Um, 28 pounds for rear wheels on these super twins guys, which is, I kind of hate it, man. I, I talked, I talked about, talked to them about it a little bit, but last season, mid mid year, they changed, they changed the, the weight of the rear wheels for the Indian riders. And then everybody had to get new rear wheels, you know, real like wheels are, they're not cheap, man. They're expensive. Um, no. So they had to get new rear wheels and now they lowered it again to 28 pounds, which is, it's basically a stock wheel. So anybody that has any heavy wheels on an Indian motorcycle, which is pretty much everybody that races, uh, their heavy wheels are no good. <laughs> so it's, it's a shame, man. And I, I hate it. I hate it. I, um, you know, and I've told them I hated it and I've gotten the response. Well, it doesn't affect you. You're a production rider. It's like, dude, I'm, I'm all for the paddock in general. Like everybody, it needs to be cost efficient and we can't keep changing this, the rear wheel w- weight. Like everybody's got to get new rear wheels all the time. And for the privateer, it's, it's, uh, it starts to add up. And uh, two more big ones where the, the production twins, we can run 48 pound rear wheels. Um, it used to be f- 42 or 43. And now they bumped it up to 48 and which is super convenient. Cause I just bought a rear wheel last week for my practice twin. Um, so that that's cool. Like, I, I guess that's, you know, I'll just put it in the garage and um, use it sometimes, I guess, just for the sake of using it. But yeah, so change the rear weight, um, the rear weight of the production bikes, you can run a 48 pounds, which I think also goes along with like the, the production bikes and super twins. Um, so the Indian motorcycles, they have to use 28 pounds and the, uh, uh, the other brands can use 48. So, uh, and then, the the minimum weight for the production bikes, I, I think it was 310 and went up to 320, which it's, uh, that's not a big deal. Adding 10 pounds, you can do that. But the biggest thing is the rear wheel thing. I, I hate that we all have to buy rear wheels, but anyway, 
So like I said, we won't get into that too much. We'll talk more about some of that stuff with our second guest on the show, Gary Gray, but our first guest is on the line and I don't know, Frankie, I don't want to keep him on too late. He might have a bedtime. So it's, uh, it's Cody cop. Oh, I know his bedtime. (laughs) What's up, man. What's up guys. Oh, not much, dude. I actually don't have a bedtime. I'm on a different uh, time zone than you are, Corey. So technically it's not even dinner time yet. Listen, dude, you stayed at my house last week. I learned some of your house rules. And I were, we were actually supposed to do this podcast later. And I tried to tell Corey, I'm like, no, dude, we got to do it early because at seven o'clock in the cop household, all electronics get turned off. Yep. That's why, you know, we're, we're stoked to be able to do it and get you on here uh, earlier. So you didn't, you know, didn't get in trouble or get grounded by smoke. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks guys. (laughs) I did. I like that rule, man. That's, we kind of do something. Well, Cruise is only four, but yeah, we're we're very limited on uh, how how much TV he watches in the iPad and all that crap. So yeah, right on, cop family. I love it. Uh, so what's good, man? What's uh, big news dropped? Uh, we'll get into that in a bit. But where are you, where are you at right now? Are you in what? You were with Frankie, but are you back in Washington or where are you located now? I'm up in Washington right now. Just uh, Micah up at home. We're down or up here, I guess, for Christmas break. And I've been doing a little bit of skiing, just being a P&W kid. Yeah, that's about it. I was down in California for nine days with Frankie, staying at Frankie's place uh, about, I don't know, it was a week ago today, I think. And, yeah, just been living the life. Yeah, man, that was fun. It was cool having you at the house and spending some time with you and getting pranks played on me. You and Max, you guys are out of control, man. They uh they got me good, Corey. They uh these two guys they uh they they went to the store after dinner and you know, we met back at the house and they're acting kind of funny and I was just trying to get ready for the that uh, bagger trip and and they they in my Cody was in my room and, and he uh they're talking about, you know, how it smelled in there, something stunk and I walked in there. I was like, I, I smell it. What is that? And I'm like, smelling in the bathroom and in the sink, and like, can't figure out where it's coming from. And like, lo and behold, go over to my nightstand, and, and I was looking around for a long time, and uh, go over to my nightstand, and they have this catfish bait that just <laughs> smelled terrible. Oh. Get it in there, Cody's. Cody's filming the whole thing. They got me, man. Max and I were dying. It was so funny. <laughs> oh, we need that footage. Yeah, that's that's hilarious. Uh, dudes, well, we, we talked about it a little bit. We hinted at it, and then we, we talked about it on the show, on this show, but KTM, man, uh, I guess kind of not a secret, and nothing stays a secret in flat track. I mean, there is some rumors going around, and signed the big deal, got the Red Bull hat on, man. I, I love to see it. What a... Talk about the emotions with that and kind of when you first knew you that this might be a thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just honestly a dream come true. I've, I've always looked up to that team and I never really thought I'd get a shot, especially this early in my career. So I'm super thankful to be given this opportunity so early in my career. And yeah, it didn't really come about too long ago, really. I mean, there was talks a little bit towards the end of the year with uh, Chris Fillmore and just kind of staying in touch. I mean, there wasn't much 
opening it didn't seem like at the time I hadn't really heard much of what was going on silly season wise and uh yeah then right after Charlotte we had a good showing in Charlotte and talked to Chris a little bit more we're kind of back and forth on what our plans were because our uh, previous sponsors Jones and Smart Top they had been so good to us it was it's hard to leave somebody that's treated you so well right so you have to leave them on a good note and yeah we uh just really November 12th I think it was on my birthday actually we got word that there was a spot opening and that we were going to get to ride for him and I was like just super stoked I mean best birthday present you could really ask for and yeah it was kind of hard to keep it under my hat there was definitely some rumors flowing around I'm sure and I heard it the Pensacola race there was definitely a few going around wondering why I wasn't there and to finally be able to tell everybody I was super excited to just let the world know that pretty much on the dream team and we're really stoked for you and I, before you came on I was telling uh telling Corey that you know there's probably not a better person you know for this situation to, to end up in the seat that you ended up in it's, it's really cool man and like me you know I'm a fan of you um I, at least I was before you stayed at my house for a week um but uh uh I mean, getting like it's everyone's dream, you know. Every motorcycle racer's dream to get on a factory bike, and you're coming off your rookie season, and you know you spent one year obviously with a good situation on a good motorcycle. Um, you have Smoking Joe as your mentor, and uh, I mean you seem to have like everything kind of in order, you know, to be successful. So it's not a it's not a big surprise. Uh, you're fast. You showed a lot of, you know, all your, you know, tons of your potential this year. So it's not, it's not a, a, a massive surprise because obviously you're very deserving of it, but talk about your rookie season, man. I mean, you're, you know, you got the Nikki Hayden horizon award as an amateur and it seemed like from there things kind of happened really quickly. And before we knew it, you know, the AF, the 2021 AFT season was over and, you know, you spent a whole year out there. Uh, talk about, like, some of the highs and lows from the, from the season. So, yeah, we uh, finished amateur career pretty well, and we were on KTMs at the time. And then about mid-November, we got in talks with a few different people, Daryl Jones and Mike Genova, just a few different companies that wanted us to switch to Honda. And we took the opportunity and went with it and loved riding the Honda for our first rookie season it treated us very well we uh went down to Pensacola started off kind of pro debut in a sense not national debut but just riding in the pro class really for my first time at the world finals last year down there Robbie Bobby's race and uh had some fun then we went to the winter throwdown and had a super Ooh. fun time at that track just uh crashed a few times that day which probably was I told dad the other day I was like that's kind of where we fell into this little rhythm for the first few weeks of our season of kind of falling down for a few weeks and had to build ourselves back up. Then uh, rookie debut, Volusia, we had a little bit of bike issues just here and there and fighting the bike a little bit all weekend, but we made our first main event on uh, night two. And I think I ended up 13th that night, if I remember right. So first time making a main, just excited to do that and get that out of the way. And then uh, next up was Atlanta. TT really liked that track that was probably one of my favorite tracks all year honestly and had some decent results there we fast qualified one session which was crazy and 
just really like the asphalt dirt mix. I've always grown up riding a lot of off-road with dad. It just suited my style well, I felt like. And yeah, we ended up six that night. Then it was kind of just steadily making my way to the front, I felt like. Uh, just a whole different crowd jumping from amateur to the pro ranks with all these factory guys and everybody that's so competitive in that class. You see some of the most competitive guys sit out on certain nights just because they don't make the main. It's kind of crazy. But, uh, yeah, we had a strong finish was our next one with being a uh, next strong finish was really Port Royal. We kind of struggled at a few like Chicago. We didn't make our main there. And then OKC one, we had a mechanical OKC two. We fought till I think we fought up to 10th, just kind of back and forth, kind of highs and lows and highs. And then we went to Port Royal fresh off of our rain out in DeCoin. I was really excited for DeCoin and then it gets rained out. So I kept that momentum rolling in the Port Royal weekend and, I don't know. It was just, it didn't honestly seem like a type of track that would suit me when I went into it. I mean, I've always liked clay, but just never really been a fan of clay tracks as an amateur. And then, uh, yeah, dad and I were just working on bike that test day of the day prior. Felt like we had it dialed in and I don't think we even touched the bike all day of the race day. He just let me ride it. Super fun time. Led a lot of it. Battle with Max back and forth. Had a big moment where we almost went to the wall, but that's how we learned and ended up second for my first podium. So that was like just very, I don't know, very exciting for me and my family. Just a lot of stuff that went into that coming up as an amateur. And yeah, it was kind of a up and down season. And we ended the season in Charlotte with a second and seventh overall in points. So couldn't ask for anything much better as a rookie coming into that class. It's so competitive. Yeah, there's a, a few things I wanted to talk about that you addressed briefly in your race, well, your recap, but Frankie mentioned the, uh, you know, you're a factory rider, and I want to be a factory rider, like, uh, for you to, your sophomore year to get on a factory team, you know, it's like, for me, that's, that's been one of my personal goals my whole life is to wear factory colors, and I've never got a chance to do it, man, so it's, yeah, I'm, I'm a little jealous of you, bro. I, I, I love it. I'm, I'm stoked for you. And it's like, damn, one day maybe I'll, I'll be a factory rider myself. So uh, I guess I'm factory LJ, factory G&G, which isn't a bad gig either. But um, no, nah, it's just like Frankie said, everybody wants to grow up and be a factory rider. And uh, there's no, no more truth in that than, uh, than what he just said. So yeah, really cool for you, man. And uh, yeah, the prior to the season, I think I've talked to you about this, but I had a bet with somebody. I'm not going to mention any names, but I had a bet that I said, Cody's going to get on the podium this year. And they're like, really? I don't know. It's pretty competitive. I don't think he will. I was like, I bet you X amount of dollars he gets on the podium. So we, we go to Volusia and your bike blows up. You don't make the main. I'm like, shit, come on, bro. Like there's money on the line. And and then sure enough, you, you got, what was it? Three podiums? Definitely three. Three, three okay. podiums, yep. Three podiums. So after the first one, I was like, oh, there he is. That's that's what I was looking at. So definitely not surprised. A lot of people were surprised by the results. I wasn't surprised at all. I, I thought you'd get a podium, and I wasn't surprised at all with, with three of them. So once you turn those – and, the, dude, everybody goes through their rookie pains, right? Like even Dallas, when he was a rookie, he had, he had some tough races. Everyone goes through it. It's very uncommon – maybe not even existent that a rookie comes in and doesn't have like a bad race. So 
took your licks, learned a lot, seventh in points. Uh, yeah, honestly, dude, pretty solid rookie year. Um, can't complain with what you did this year as a rookie. Um, I got a couple more questions personally. I'm sure Frankie does as well. And then we also did something different for this episode. We got some questions from the fans, and I have a few good questions that I want to ask you. But kind of taking it back, Boy, bro. I have a question. Go ahead, Frankie. Follow up. I have a que- I have a question for you. Um, how much money did Robbie Bobby lose on that bet? It wasn't Robbie Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was not Robbie Bobby. I don't think Robbie Bobby would bet against Cody because Cody's gone to his track and he's taking quite a bit of money from them guys. So yeah, I'm not going to mention any names, at least for right now. Maybe I'll, I'll call, I'll call him out at some point, but uh, yeah, no, it was, wasn't Robbie Bobby, but I wanted to take it back. Actually, Cody, this is kind of a, a non racer question for you. I mean, you grew up at the track, obviously your dad's Joe and early two thousands, he was, crushing it all the way up until the early 2010s. But besides from your pop, who was your favorite rider growing up, man, as like a young kid? I always looked up to Brad a lot, Brad Baker. And just because he was PNW guy, always was super nice to us at the track. He was like my favorite guy. I swear every time I went to the track, I got his autograph. <laughs> Dad's kid and was always walking over to his pit, probably first in line to get his autographs. And yeah, I don't know. I've always stuck with Brad being my favorite rider. That's like pretty it. cool, man. Brad's a good dude. He's a, you know, he's just a stand-up guy, and he, I mean, the dude's just got style for miles on a motorcycle. So that's really cool. I I grew up racing with Brad, and and was always a fan of him just because I always thought he was like a cool dude. He, like him and his brother and his whole family were always super nice, and uh, so that's cool, dude. Uh, I had another question that kind of goes, you know, along with. Uh, what I was asking you before about your rookie season, but one thing I want to know because it's something that like I struggle with uh, a lot, and it's it's not my my best feature is when I go to new tracks, I struggle, um, and I think it's a mentality thing where I'm like, oh, all these guys have ridden here, and I haven't, and so I kind of feel like it's a little bit of a of a disadvantage, but I mean. I'm sure you went to some tracks this year that you'd never been to. How was that? Like learning new tracks, was that tough for you? Is it, or, you know, I know it's not, you know, my issues aren't going to be everyone else's issues, but I mean, how'd, how'd that go for you? Yeah. I mean, we'd only been to Volusia the week prior. I, only, I never raced Volusia growing up as an amateur. We never drove that far to race. And then a week prior was my first time ever on Volusia. And, uh, that was kind of the first real, I guess, first time track I'd been to that I had to perform at kind of in a sense. And I don't know, I took it the only way you can take it. You got to just keep learning the track as the day goes on. And it worked out for us pretty well, transferring it over to Port Royal where we never been or places like Atlanta where everybody's on a clean slate there. Nobody's ever raced that track. So that's where kind of the table set a hundred percent clean, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like the challenge of going to a new track that especially that nobody's ever been to, even ones that they have been to and I haven't. It's just like an extra added challenge. Like they should beat me here because they've been here before. And if I beat them, that's that's just I don't know. a better it's better. like it's kinda like it can be a double edged sword, man, because like sometimes I'll go to a track that I've been to a, a ton. And if it's slightly different than where when what I'm used to, like um, 
like Volusia, say we go to Volusia, I, I, Volusia, you know what to expect, right? So yeah. when, it, when it's slightly different, you're fighting so hard to stay on your setup that you always stick with. Sometimes it can give you some stubbornness, so to speak. But um, yeah, I, I agree with you, man. It's, it's hard to adapt when you know everybody else has so many laps around a certain track. It's like when you go to Lodi, man, it's like, those bastards go there every weekend and ride. Those and guys are fast. It's like, damn, like, what am I doing wrong? So, yeah, I, I get that as well. But, yeah, what was, I don't know, what was, like, the most unexpected thing um, coming from amateur to pro? What was one thing that kind of caught you off guard um, that you weren't expecting? I feel like the limited number of laps you get on the track prior to, like, semi time like amateur wise they always have usually each day two sessions of practice and if you're racing two classes it equals out you probably get 20 to 30 laps prior to racing aft you get five laps of practice and two sets of four lap qualifiers so it's like it goes fast <laughs> yeah yeah that's a challenge man i've i've always wondered why why we do that as well because then we sit around in between sessions for like 30 hours minutes sometimes yeah it's like yo dog why don't we just like do another why don't we do 10 or 12 laps um try and get us as many laps on the track as we can so we can develop you know sort of like a a comfort zone so we can go out in the semis and get it on and feel comfortable with the track but yeah i was gonna ask actually you know do you like obviously probably you've probably just answered this but like every what well, was like uh atlanta volusia Port Royal, we had like those test days. What are your thoughts on on the AFT test days? Do you like them or do you hate them? It's kind of a toss up. Like Atlanta, I think it hurt our track. I think that's why we saw the track blow apart so much the second day. Port Royal, that's why our track was so good. I feel like that night, like just so consistent all the way across. So it kind of has a little bit to deal with track surface. I like it in a sense that you get up spinning a bunch. The extra laps so kind of race day isn't as rushed in a sense but at the same time it's for some tracks it'll almost put us behind the eight ball it might hurt us a little like as a whole aft is in general like every rider it might hurt just because the tracks are unsafe type deals so, i don't know i'm i'd almost prefer we don't have them at tracks we're going to race at if we're going to go do a test day it should be at a track we're not going to race at makes a lot of sense uh well, I know the answer to this um, because uh, you were staying at my house, but I know that you have gotten to ride your new bike, uh, the KTM Factory 450. Um, but what, how'd that go? Like, talk about that. That's really interesting. You got to, you've gotten to ride the factory bike one time. Um, what was that like? Did you did you expect? uh a lot of things from it and and what are some of the things that you took from that yeah we uh got to ride the bike here for the first time last thursday so not too long ago even but uh lots of things that were similar i felt like because i rotate him in 2019 or in 2020 and sorry we're just mom and sister getting out of the truck but uh yeah lots of little different things lots of similar things it was just fun to get to ride that bike finally and be confident in a package that I could trust fully I feel like and 
I just kept spinning laps all day long. We uh, were riding it down there in LA area and I was, I spun like almost 300 laps, a little over 300 laps. I was just like, we weren't changing much. I was just riding a bike because I had to ride a bike since Charlotte flat track bike. And uh, yeah, just, I don't know. It wasn't like an official test. It was more just get laps on this bike and we'll go from there kind of finding suspension where we want to set it and stuff like that. So I don't know. I mean, just super good experience to get on the bike again, get on the KTM again, especially. And yeah, I felt super comfortable right at home on it right away. Uh, so teammates of Max stoked. I yeah. mean, I mean, you guys, he t- kind of took two wins from you last year. I mean, if you, the races you got second, you and Max pretty much checked out. If I remember correctly, <laughs> And he was kind of the guy that kind of snagged those wins from you. And now you guys are, and the races, like the battles were just typical singles battles. They were dicey, but they weren't, there was nothing like, Oh shit. You know, it wasn't, wasn't that bad of a, you know, no slide jobs or anything that I remember, but uh, what are your thoughts on being teammates with Max and how's that camaraderie a little bit? You guys are similar in age. So. I'm super excited for it. Like just having two similar riders on the same team is going to do us real good as a team but like i've looked up to max a lot as an amateur he when he came over to the states and meeting him at amateur nationals like i don't know what it was 2017 probably Ducoin, i remember and uh really always like to talk to him race with him a lot as an amateur and uh just a lot of similar needs i guess we're gonna be two that are gonna push each other weekend and week out on at the nationals but also throughout the week we're already down in california for a week riding bicycles and in the gym and riding moto just always pushing each other to our next best potential and yeah it's good I mean we both got a good sense of humor so that'll keep it fun and hopefully keep everything light all year yeah as long as we're having fun it's gonna be a good year who's faster on the bicycle uh so I had clip-ins Max didn't so that's like a little bit of help going on more Fillmore Fillmore smokes us on everything mountain bike moto he hasn't gone to the gym with us, but like, yeah, he was smoking us on everything. And then I don't know, Max and I are like pretty equal on everything. It seems like where he gets me some stuff, I get him and other stuff to toss up. I don't know. Love it. Frankie you got one. Uh, yeah. I mean, dude, these two are like, like Dale and Brennan from Step Brothers. I mean, it's, Chris is going to have his hands full this year. That whole team is just like, just, just keeping these two like in control is going to be so funny. I think it's going to like, I think it's going to build a lot. Like the two characters together, like both these guys are, like I said, dude, it's, it's like stepbrothers. They're, they're insane. Um, you know, Max is Max and he's just, you know, goofy and, and, and then Cody's there just to capitalize on it all. It, it's going to be pretty good. Those two were at the house uh you know a lot last week together and like i said they're both playing pranks on me and it's just non-stop so i think it's gonna be it's gonna be cool watching these two uh under the same tent all year but uh yeah poor chris fillmore man he's he's got his hands full uh what do you uh what are you looking forward to the most this year like what are your kind of your expectations you're on a factory ride and um you know what what are you looking for out of yourself this year cody this year i mean I get to work on myself throughout the week other than 
always worrying about transferring bikes to the track, making sure everything's fresh. Dad and I having that on our shoulders last year, which was really good to learn. But to a point, you can't go super far like that. Just having the whole week from weekend to weekend on a bicycle in the gym, making sure I show up every weekend the best version of myself I can to give the team 100%. And uh, I don't know, I'm just looking to have fun. If we're not having fun, we're not doing it right. So that's going to be like the whole time, number one goal. And then after that, go out and win some races. I mean, I feel like we're going to be competitive in the end this year and just stay healthy all year, all season long, and we'll be there in the end. What's the program look like other than obviously you and Max are the riders as far as like, like obviously your pop has been a crucial part of your career. You're forever. Like he's been there. And, and I've, I've said it before on the show, I think multiple times, I think the best setup guy in the sport is Joe cop. Um, I think he's very underrated with setting a bike up. He knows what works. He's got little tricks that, nobody else does, you know, he can kind of figure things out. And I, I know that just, um, you know, racing against Rispoli the last year, I think it was last year now at this point, who knows, but um, yeah, trying to be, trying to be James was, you know, it's like, okay, I got to be James, but now I got to be James and Joe cop. And I honestly feel like Joe changed the dynamic of that whole team uh, with James. Like they were, you know, that was such a good package because of, of the help from your pop. So is he involved with the team and who, who's kind of your guy on race weekends now with uh, the KTM team? So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a little different, not having that camaraderie between dad and I every weekend being with each other every moment leading up the race and every moment after, but uh, he'll still be there. He, I think he'll be at every race all year long. I think he's going to still help me as much as he can as far as come off the track here and there we'll talk about stuff if we need help and it'll be good to get kind of a little bit of I don't know seeing stuff from another perspective like my mechanic is Andrew Butler this year and just getting stuff from a different perspective from dad than what I'm always used to will be good and we'll get to work together with dad in the KTM pits a little bit yeah I mean he's here to just help the whole team and I mean, he'll offer help to anybody in the whole paddock. It's just you got to catch him at the right time. Sometimes you think about something like way different than what you're asking, and he'll blow you off just because he's worried about helping this one guy that just asked him five minutes prior. So it's like he's always getting asked a million questions on race day, even when he was working with me last year on the Hondas. And it was a little bit of like a takeaway, I felt like, just how many people come up and ask stuff of him. I feel like, man he should have a headache by the end of each day, how much everybody's asking for advice, but like he loves it. It's what he's there for now. I don't think he would choose to be anywhere else, but given everybody else's input, honestly, and he's, he's not going to lie to you. He's going to tell you straight up how it is. And uh, yeah, I'm just super thankful that we had, we've had such a good relationship my whole career. And it's going to be fun to have him in my back, back of the pits, helping me when I need it this year and team. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, excited for another year with him. So we have a thing where we go back and forth. We like to joke around about pit bikes. Like we're going to race pit bikes. We're going to, you know, I'm going to smoke you. You're going to smoke me. We've talked a bunch of shit about it, but we've never actually raced on pit bikes. It looks like you dodged a bullet, man. Cause KTM doesn't make a 110. So 
was that part of the plan? Like you, you, that was your bailout move or what? Yeah, I was losing sleep over it having a race down a one ten. No, uh, yeah, I mean, I love riding pit bikes, but you know, some things you have to sacrifice to get a better deal, and I'm a hundred percent for it. I mean, it's a good way to get hurt, honestly. So we'll just have to wait another day. I'll give you some time to get a little quicker on one anyway. <laughs> Yeah, Corey, you should have heard him last week when he's at the house. He was like, "Dude, I asked those guys if I could put orange plastics on my 110, if I could just put KTM graphics on it." And Chris said, "No." He's like <laughs> fully, legitimately bummed out about it. <laughs> I mean, if KTM did build a 110, it'd be a badass 110, man. Like, it'd be so cool. Like, I remember when I was young, KTM. This is like shows you my age, but that's when they came out with like the KTM 60 or maybe it was a 65. It was like the first ever KTM 60. And I was on like the hideous KX 60. It had like the strap on the seat and the KTM 60 came out. I'm like, oh my gosh, that bike is so badass. It, I've never wanted a bike more in my life than when I was like nine or 10 years old and that KTM 60 came out and I, I never got one. I was stuck riding that KX 60, which pretty much halted my entire flat track career. Cause I was terrified of the thing, but uh, yeah, man. So it's, yeah, I just, I just wanted to, I figured that was part of the bailout plan. You know, if, if I sign this deal with KTM and I don't got to race C-Tex on the pit bike. So to be continued, yeah. I guess, but um, yeah, no, I just wanted to call you out on that and, uh, <laughs> just give you, give you some shit, man. But so we had some cell service with Cody cop. We decided to move on to Gary Gray's portion of the interview until Cody could find some cell service on the line. Special treat for you guys. We have the boss from Indian motorcycle, Gary Gray, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So close to Christmas. You guys are, you guys are working hard and working late. <laughs> Yes, yes. Sorry about so late in the night and so uh, late to Christmas, but yeah, we wanted to get you on, get a pod out there. I'm actually traveling next week to Florida, so I wanted to get the get the pod out there for everybody traveling on through the holidays and give them something to listen to. So appreciate you coming on. Uh, a lot to talk about, I guess. There's a lot of big news surrounding the brand, but I wanted to talk kind of. I haven't heard. I'm sure you've done an interview somewhere with this information, but. I personally haven't heard it. And I want to know like what went in, like what was the timeline, sort of speak, for the resurrection of Indian motorcycle in American flat track? Sure. So I mean, you can probably go back to 2011 when we purchased the brand and you know brought Indian motorcycle as it sits today back back to life. Um, I was back then I was responsible for the product. So, you know, honestly, pretty, pretty heavy load on your shoulders to think about the history of Indian motor, <clears throat> Indian motorcycle and be tasked with, you know, what's the first bike we're going to come out with? Is it going to be, you know, a reflection of the history of the brand, or is it going to be some future interpretation of the brand? Sort of those decisions. Um, and so, yeah, I was responsible for the, the product uh, that we launched back in 2014, we brought the brand back and, you know, a few years into it, you know, we had established our production line, we'd established a supply base, 
we'd established a new dealer network. We're selling, you know, you know, gaining share, selling a lot of bikes. And it was, it was kind of time to, to look back at our history and, you know, get back into racing because that's how the company was founded. There was two gentlemen, uh, George Hendy and Oscar Hedstrom met at a racetrack and they got together and founded Indian Motorcycle. So, you know, it was always part of our roots, always something that we wanted to do. Uh, but we really just needed to stand up the company first and, and get some revenue coming in. And so in 2015, we announced in September of 2015 that we were going to come back to flat track racing and it was going to be within a year or two. Uh, and we kicked the program off in October of 2015 after that announcement started earnest design of the engine and chassis in December of 2015. Uh, had kind of the chassis stylized, the geometry, all that set by March. And then June of 2016 was the first test with Jared Meese. So uh, a really, really quick program, you know, production, production engines and production bikes take, you know, three to five years. So to do something like that in, you know, six to nine months uh, was, was pretty heroic. Uh, we had a really great, great team of internal, you know, Indian motorcycle engineers working obviously with SNS as well on the chassis. And then Jared and Kenny Tolbert were also pretty instrumental in, in, you know, the construction and, and build of the first bike. Uh, Jared really got involved when we got it on the track and started testing it in June. And uh, yeah, by August, we had signed Brian Smith and Jared and Brad Baker to be our riders in September of 2016. We put Joe Cop on the bike at, at Santa Rosa and he, uh, he won the dash for cash uh, and led the, led the first two laps of the main event um, by, by a large margin. And then, yeah, started in 2017. So March of 2017 at Daytona was our first official race. Um, placing first and second. So yeah, it was quick. It was fast. And, you know, in short, it was what we needed to do for the brand. Cause you know, the brand has always, always stood and stood for racing and founded on racing. So important to do that again, man. So basically within six to nine months, uh, that the FTR, the motor package was designed and put together. Is that, is that what you just, is that the, is that correct the timeline? Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, I, there's oh not a lot of not a lot of companies that could do it, especially ones our size, you know, because there's a lot of people and a lot of checks and balances. So we yeah, we formed a, honestly a pretty small team with some pretty amazing engineers and yeah, it's I still look back at it and say how did how did we do it so fast? But yeah, it was it was I <laughs> I liken it to uh, Kennedy's talking about landing on the moon. You know, he, he challenged the country to do it and you had to go do it. And it was, it was kind of the challenge from Steve Minetto, who was then the president of motorcycles. He said, we're going to be out there in one to two years. And I'm like, man, one to two years, you know, how long it takes just to build an engine. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really fast. It was December to December of 2015 to June of 2016 was the engine designed to something to the point where you could start testing. Man, that's uh, that's pretty phenomenal how quick that all came together. Obviously, 
when the, I remember like it was yesterday when that when the FDR 750 was announced and like the very first kind of images and and drawings and things like that were like kind of being published and it was pretty mind-blowing that I was you know we were so used to seeing you know Harley being so dominant in the sport and then for Indian to come in like hot like they're you know you guys weren't messing around at all and I mean it's been so cool to see and, and then all the success that came after it has been pretty incredible but um from that very first meeting I guess you guys had from of you know hey we're gonna go flat track racing to let's say the first time you guys had somebody riding that motorcycle which I'm assuming like you said is Jared um what do you think the biggest challenge was between you know, like I said that first meeting and the first time putting that motorcycle on track it's a great question. Uh, you know, honestly, it was one of the funnest programs I've ever worked on because we just had such a passionate team about getting things done and, and truly understanding, you know, what it took to win. I mean, we had a mantra that, that was every decision we make has to be about winning. You know, if, if, if there's any decision we're making, whether it's about the size of the clutch or the, the architecture of the engine, because we could do anything we wanted, right? We could have built a parallel twin. We could have built a V-twin. We could have built an inline four. Not, not that I would suggest doing that, but, you know, it was totally open architecture. But that, that one mantra of we have to win kind of guided everything, you know, the brand, the brand in the early fifties, you know, 51 through 53, we were, that was the only time we were flat track champions, right. In the history of the brand. And we went on a business in 53, the last year that we were grand national champions and, you know, Tuman and uh, Hill were still alive. And it's like, man, if we're going to do this, we have to live up to what those guys laid down in the early fifties and we have to win. We can't come back and kind of be so, so we, we have to win. So every decision was, was about winning. Um, you know, the hardest thing or probably what we struggled with the most, I mean, when, when the bike was first tested, it was, it was not great. I, you know, it was, it was, we had obviously at the time the XR 750 was, was the bike for the short tracks and the Kawasaki was the bike for the miles. And, you know, one of the things I've learned over my career and we're pretty good at is, you know, benchmarking the competition and understanding who's good at what, and, you know, putting those elements together, the bike didn't turn as well as the XR and it wasn't as fast as, as the Kawasaki when we started, but we worked through a lot of issues, you know, inertia was, was a big one. Uh, um, the bike didn't have enough inertia in the engine when we when we first started, and that's when we created the external. You know, we used our trigger wheel as an external flywheel and started adding mass. And you know, we struggled with that. We broke one, and Jared broke his collarbone on that bike. You know, getting that to work right. Um, we struggled a little bit with chassis geometry, getting the bike to hook up and to turn. Um, but largely everything went pretty well and we just kept developing and developing. And we followed in 2016, we followed the American flat track series and we would rent key tracks the day after 
the day after main event. So we had lap times, the track was grooved in and, you know, we, we knew what targets we had to hit. And plus we had benchmark bikes to go, you know, to go see where we were at. And we just kept working and working and working with Jared and Kenny and, you know, Jeff Bailey from SNS and, and our engineers. And finally, you know, the bike kept coming around and getting better at turning in and better in straight line speed. And, you know, we honestly turned power down um, through development. We came out with way too much power and, you know, there's only so much coefficient of friction between dirt and rubber and, you know, getting all that stuff right. And it's, as everybody knows in flat track, it's, it's just a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And finally the bike came around to, you know, what it is today and what we launched with in 2017. So uh, it's a long answer to your question, Frankie, but uh, yeah, I would, I would, I would say it was, getting the inertia right, getting some small things right so the bike would hook up and, and go fast. Well, it's, it's funny. I think that's all really, really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you mentioned that uh, everybody knows in flat track it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and it's honestly not everybody knows that. Um, everybody's always pushing for high horsepower numbers and getting bikes to, you know, fighting the dyno and trying to get that peak number and what I've, you know, what's, it's been shown is what the Indian does so well. It's the way the power hits the curve of the power, the way, um, like you just mentioned the rubber and the dirt and horsepower, you can only do so much. And it's a give and take for, you know, you can, you, like you said, like you, you had to tone down the bike a little bit to, um, to make it faster. And the fastest bike, I always tell the story, the fastest bike I've ever rode at the Springfield mile it was 92 horsepower, but it felt really fast because it would just hook up off the corners and it made it so much easier to draft people when you're getting off the corners that well. Um, you know, it's, if you're spinning all the way down the straightaway and then you have to turn at the end of the straightaway, it was, you know, that's kind of the challenge. A lot of these manufacturers over time seem to have, it's like, ah, oh, you know, we need 110 horsepower. We need all this peak power and then you have it and you don't go anywhere with it. So that was really refreshing to hear. And a part of the, you know, I think that, you know, what you said, it shows the success of the brand is that way of thinking is, uh, is phenomenal. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I know you listen to a few of our shows and we're kind of grittier, like we're, we're a gritty podcast. And I wanted to ask, um, you know, you mentioned some of the guys you've worked with, obviously Jared was crucial in the, you know, in the testing of the bike and you worked with Brian and Brad, uh, did you have a Briar, obviously Briar, and do you have a favorite guy that you've worked with? I don't know if you're allowed to answer this, but, uh, have a favorite guy that you've worked with maybe, or, um, maybe one that you maybe have gotten the most data from, um, since Jared obviously did most of that, that grunt work, but any, any favorites? Ah, uh, yeah, that is a tough question. I mean, Jared, Jared's been with us the longest, right? And, you know, in, in, if the question's about development of the bike, you know, Jared, Jared was the guy, right? We hired him in, in 2016 to do that. And it was, you know, because he was a multi-time champion. And frankly, you know, he's got Kenny Tolbert with him, who's, you know, over 10, 10 championships under his belt. Um, and just, you know, Jared's really in touch technically with the bike and he communicates really well, you know, on and off, off the track. He can tell you, you know, what the bike is, not only tell you what the bike is doing, but what he thinks it needs 
to do more. Um, Brian, Brian Smith also got to ride it early. And well, actually, Corey, you were there. Um, you were, you were testing as part of cycle world and Jared was there and, and Brian was there. And it was kind of funny because, you know, Jared and Brian were, were in the heat of competition and they wouldn't even, they wouldn't like Brian pulled up. He wouldn't even come out of his truck. He wanted me to talk to him in his truck so that they didn't, they didn't share any information in between them. Like, Oh my God, what are, what are we getting ourselves into? Um, you know, and you know, Brian and Ricky, you know, help with some things for sure. And then Brad, Brad Baker first year, um, you know, he helped a lot with things and continues, continues to help. So, you know, Jared did the lion's share for sure, but everybody along the way, you know, and, and then you get somebody like Briar who is, who's really different and, you know, Dave Zanotti and he brings even more and we've never stopped developing, right. We, you know, every year, even though, you know, we sit on top of the box, it's, it's constant development in the off season. We're always coming up with new things. And, you know, when you work with the talent level that we've had on our team, you know, there's, there's a lot of ideas out there to try. And, and, you know, I'd, I'd say the other thing that we do that might be a little bit different is, is focus on reliability. You know, if we, we have an idea, we don't throw it in the bike and run out to a, a race day. We go out and we put it in the bike and we test and, you know, if it's not faster, you know, it's done. You know, the idea doesn't, doesn't hit race day because we don't want riders out there on something that's that's not working and they're pushing to win and fall down and get hurt. So, you know, we put a pretty big emphasis on making things, making sure things are really ready to hit race day um, with lots of testing and durability testing and making sure it's safe so that when, you know, Jared or Briar or, you know, um, now Shana in 2022, when they're on the bike, we know it's safe. We know it's proven and they're not out there trying to make something work that doesn't work. Gary, I listening to everything you have to say, you have so much information. It's actually really incredible to get like down to the, you know, deep in, into this conversation and hear all this stuff from you. I think it's a lot of, a lot of stuff that maybe some people did know, but you to your average person didn't know. And it's really cool. And it's a lot of like kind of behind the scenes information, but, um, my question, listening to some of the things you, you've said, um, when you guys originally were, were signing riders, you know, that original Indian motorcycle wrecking crew of Brad, Jared, and, uh, and Brian, did you guys, like, obviously coming, you know, in with a new bike, and, and everyone knew that the thing was going to be good. I don't think anybody questioned that. But as, as a rider, you know, those are probably the, the, the top guys at the time, you know, I don't think there was anybody faster than those three. And did you guys find it difficult? Like, was there any sort of like, you know, kind of feedback you guys were getting from them, like them kind of not wanting to do it just because it was a new bike, new team and, or, or was it a pretty easy transition for them? You know, did they kind of just jump on? Yeah, it was, uh, it went, it was pretty crazy. So again, you know, the decision was, you know, we had, we had some people, in the company that were saying, well, well, don't sign the best riders. Cause if you don't go out there and win, well, clearly it's the bike's fault. It's not the rider's fault. And you don't, you don't want egg on your face, but I'm like, no, like we want to go out, we want to win. And our best chance of winning is with the best riders. And the, uh, the really good part about signing the best riders is you don't have to race against them. You know, I didn't, I didn't really want to go out and have to race against a Brian Smith and Ricky Howerton. And I didn't definitely didn't want to race against a Jared Meese and a, and a uh, Kenny Tolbert. 
And then, you know, you look at Brad Baker, he had the factory job at Harley Davidson, you know, he was their top rider. And I'm like, there's no way he's going to leave, you know, the XR 750, one of the, one of the, you know, historically the winningest flat track bike ever in the factory team to come to us. And uh, yeah, the, I mean, cause you know, you think about it, it's like, it's a brand new bike. It's from, you know, sort of a new, newish company, you know, what, what am I getting myself into? But really, you know, Jared was like, Jared was ready from the start. You know, he's like, Hey, I'm ready. I'm ready to make a transition. I want to try something new. You know, you guys are clearly doing things right. Um, Brian was the same way. Clearly they weren't going to be on the same team. Right. We ran them under different haulers and, you know, they each brought their own crew chief, but but Brian, Brian was in and we liked Brian because, you know, he'd won on a variety of different bikes. And then, yeah, we, uh, the last one was Brad to be signed. And we're like, there's, we didn't call him because we're like, well, there's no way he's going to come to India and there's no way. And then he, he actually called us and he's like, Hey, you know, you know, he'd had some issues that year with reliability. And he's like, I, I just want to try something new. And I hear you guys. And I'm like, this guy is crazy. Cause you know, you know, if you look back historically now, it's, it's obvious that, Hey, we won a lot of races, but we, we very easily could have come out and got nothing but 10th place with a brand new bike and a brand new team. So yeah, it was, it was pretty weird the way it, it all went down. We had these guys on our list. We never thought for a moment we'd actually get them. And then I still remember announcing it at the banquet in, in 2016 and the, the whole AFT audience just gasped when they heard who we have on our team because they were the greatest guys out there. And, you know, not only did we have them on our team, but like I said, we didn't have to race against them, which is the other hard part. So, yeah, it went it went a lot smoother than I thought it would. Um, and pretty happy to have that that crew for the first year certainly made things easier well you didn't mention too gary but b smith he just won the championship that year on his crosley howerton bikes that were um the kawasaki's that were just um they were not dominant but man like as far as the mile races go he was pretty much turnkey to win most of the miles you know i i don't know the percentage rate but it was pretty high so for him to jump off that brad to jump off the factory harley and and Jared, I think it might've made it easier, honestly, for Jared and Brian knowing that, well, he's going to do it. So either we're both going to struggle or we're both going to succeed. So, um, obviously they made the right decision. So yeah, it's, it's really cool to hear that story. Um, when the transition a little bit, obviously, you know, there's been some big news lately with the rule changes and I wanted to get in that a little bit cause it's, it's big news. Right. And we want to know, uh, it actually today actually was the, uh, I got a new new email with the rule changes. Initially, it was 32, 32 millimeter restrictors. And then today, I just saw the email. I haven't really had any conversations with anybody today, but I saw it went up to 34 millimeter restrictors. So let's get some insight on that a little bit. Um, what has that been like this offseason to, you know, to not not know what the changes are they change it and they they upped it to 34 um talk about that yeah it's it's obviously tough you know we're we were at 38 millimeter throttle bodies you know that's been the rule since you know 2015 when we read through the rule book that was 
that was the diameter of throttle bodies. And that's, you know, what the whole top end of the engine is designed to. That's what all our intakes are tuned to, all our exhausts are tuned to. So when we saw 32, we were just like, oh my God. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a, you know, nearly a 30% reduction in area. Um, we immediately put it on the flow bench. It flowed 36% less. We threw it on the dyno and we got some of it back through, through tuning and, but we were down, you know, 22%. We were making mid seventies for horsepower in the dyno. And I'm like, this is horrible. This is, you know, a, a really good single, you know, a highly tuned single is going to make the same horsepower as what we were making with 32s. And, you know, by rule, we were a um, hundred pounds heavier than a single. So imagine, you know, I mean, imagine Briar and Shana riding two up on an Indian. I mean, that's, you know, versus where Shana was at with her, her KTM, that, that's where we were at. We were at singles horsepower and a hundred pounds heavier. So yeah, that was, uh, we were not expecting that. We were not expecting that massive of, of a cut. Um, so it was, it was painful. Right. Uh, and, and then, you know, at the same time, the rules weren't final. And so you don't, you don't know what to do. You gotta, at some point you've got to get to work and, and, you know, a, a lot of people think restrictor plate, oh, you just throw the restrictor plate in and you go race. And yeah, you can do that, but you know, everybody else is not going to do that. They're going to look at their top end. They're going to look at their cams, their port sizes, their valves, their exhausts, their gear, like, you got to redesign the entire bike. It's, it's the most expensive. It's the most expensive change in, in the whole bike is to change throttle body diameter. Cause it changes absolutely everything. If, if you want to be tuned to ultimate performance. So yeah, today we found out it's, it's going up to 34, which is certainly better than 32. It's, it's still a 25% reduction in flow. And, you know, I think we're in the low eighties horsepower if i remember right so it's it's certainly going to be impactful um to performance especially on miles um but you know worst of all for us is it's you know it's nearly christmas we, we plan to be testing in early january and you know the whole top of, end of our engine theoretically needs to change you know because it was designed around 38s and now it's 25 percent smaller at at uh, or 25% less flow with 34s. So we've got to go, we got to figure all that out. I don't, you know, honestly don't know what we can get done in, in three months uh, in the top end. So yeah, it puts us, puts us up against a wall for sure in, in terms of just direct power cut. And then, you know, it's expensive, you know, redoing a top end of an engine is expensive. And, you know, I know we're the factory team and, we've got more resources than anyone, but we still have a budget, right? We still have a fixed number that we're supposed to spend next year and we're not going to get more. So we've got to take it out of other things. We got to take it out of marketing or, or other things um, to try and try and claw some of it back. And then I think about, you know, a Davis Fisher or somebody like that, that's like, you know, what does he have for resources to redesign his top end? And, and, you know, he's got the same three months that we have, which, isn't enough time. Um, yeah, it's tough. It's tough on us. It's tough on our privateers for sure. Yeah, I could go on for days and days about the, some of the decisions that, uh, 
AFT is made and, you know, I, I'm a big fan of AFT, but at the same time, you know, I, you know, everyone makes decisions that not everyone's going to be stoked about. And obviously I'm probably a little bit biased because for the last few seasons I've ridden for Roland Sands uh, on an Indian motorcycle. So, um, and then, you know, Briar, one of my best friends and, you know, rides for you guys. And it's just, uh, it, I'm definitely a little biased, but, um, you know, with that said, it's been, it's been difficult and I can go on for, for days and days about, you know, it's just like, like in the Honda days, uh, we, you know, when, when AMA pushed, you know, kind of pushed Honda out of the scene when they were dominant, you know, why, why would you, I just don't understand why they would do that. And it's just kind of a repeat of that. And, um, not that, not that Indians being pushed out, but, um, you know, it's like, you're, you're, you're almost punishing a manufacturer for being too good instead of making the other manufacturers keep up. Uh, I think it's in my sense, kind of going backwards a little bit, but who am I? I'm just one person, but, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's definitely, a, a whole situation, but, uh, aside from that, um, this year you have a new writer, uh, Shana Texter, and that's not something we've talked about yet. Uh, Corey and I have talked about it on previous episodes. Um, it's Corey's sister, obviously, but I think it's really cool. I'm really excited to see Shayna uh, not only on a twin, but riding for the most current dominant team um, and having her husband, Briar, as her teammate and being around all you guys. I think that's really cool. How do you feel about having her on the team? Yeah, we're super stoked. I mean, I couldn't, couldn't be happier to have Shayna uh, join the team. You know, I think it's, I think it's an awesome story for us, for sure. It's an awesome story for American flat track to create some excitement. You know, we, we created a lot of excitement in 2017 when we came into the sport and we saw a big jump in attendance. And I hope, you know, us us signing Shana does the same thing, you know, this year gives, gives something new for people to be excited about and cheer for, you know, she's frankly, she's earned it right? She's the winningest singles rider ever. Uh, she's, she's earned her, you know, her step up to twins. Uh, I, you know, I'm obviously super biased, but I think we give her the best chance to be successful. Um, she probably wishes she would have known she's running 34 millimeter throttle bodies and, you know, her rear wheel is going to be 10 pounds lighter and, uh, than the others. And, uh, yeah, that, but, so that's, that's probably the only bummer to it is, man, I wish she could have rode the bike, you know, as it was developed. Cause it's, it's just so amazing, but you know, short of that, um, I think it's super cool. I think it's going to be fun as hell when Shanna kicks Briar's ass at Volusia. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> it, yeah, no, so, so, you know, we don't, we don't know that's going to happen, but she's pretty good there, you know, and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's her track. And I think the last time they faced off, I think Shanna came out on top. So yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. Um, you know, and, you know, given, given Briar a hard time, but you know, the, our two tests, I mean, Briar was like the greatest husband, the greatest teammate, the greatest rider coach I've ever seen. I mean, he was, he was like every 30 seconds, he's coming up with a new idea of what we can try on the bike or what Shana should do. Um, there was one point we were, we were testing at the speed ranch uh, outside of SNS and in, in Viola. And uh, all of a sudden Dave's 
Zanotti's phone rings and it's Briar. And he's, he's, he's telling Dave what we should change in the setup to help Shannon during the test. And Dave's like, Briar, where are you? And Briar's out rolling in the track. So while he's out rolling in the track for Shana, he's, you know, his brain's working and, he, and he's calling in. So that's, you know, it's going to be so fun to see that dynamic in the pit, um, you know, with, with Briar wanting to help her out. Um, and yeah, it's, it's cool. You know, I don't think ever in, in power sports, at least that I'm familiar with as a, as a husband and wife shared a pit when they're riding the same exact bike chasing the same trophy on the same day um yeah it's it's just cool it's a really cool story yeah i wanted to throw in i don't want to throw salt salt in the wounds gary but uh you said that she'll have a 10 pound lighter wheel i think it's 20 pounds (laughs) i think it's uh well yeah i i haven't quite figured it out yet i saw (laughs) i saw everybody else jumps up to what is it like 48 48 48 yeah they were at 45 they go up to or excuse me they were at 43 they go to 48 and i i can't quite figure out where we're at yet because our measurement is without sprocket and water which is good because it allows you to fix brake issues or other things so i think that part of it's good but it's yeah yeah we're gonna be have massively lighter rear wheels for sure which We'll make the bike much harder to ride, but yeah, I'm confident well, I guess the team will figure figure something out. I guess too. Uh, she don't know no different, right? She's never rode in the. She's never rode a. I mean, she'll never yeah. have raced one, so it's like, yeah, she don't know the difference. <laughs> she hops on it. That's fine. Yeah. To me. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's just just the way it is. Yeah, just the yeah. way it is. But yeah, no, I'm excited. Obviously, uh, you know, I I think it's phenomenal. I I we grew up. It's no secret. We grew up in a Harley shop, but with the opportunity, you know, with Indian motorcycle and I've come to be a very like big fan of the brand, like everything you guys do with like hooligan racing and bagger racing and what the brand stands for. It's, um, it's a really fun brand. It's something that, you know, I've grown to just become a fan of the brand, like what you guys are doing, how you're doing it, your approach to the marketing, um, you guys want to win. And as a texter, my dad and grandpa, they wanted to win. Like they would do whatever it took to win. Uh, there was one year, my dad was wearing Suzuki, uh, sweatshirts every weekend. Cause that's what Shana was riding and she was winning on. And that will to win is, uh, is what made, it's what made me a fan of the brand. And, uh, yeah, and it's really cool. Obviously I'm her brother and I like to see her succeed and I'm, I'm really excited and, I probably know her better than most or maybe anybody. And I know she's going to surprise a lot of people this year on that bike. If she gets comfortable now that she has a bike, like a framer that hooks up and turns and uh, she could be a problem. And I'm glad, I'm glad I don't have to race with her every weekend. So um, it's definitely good. We're still in different classes for the most part. So, um, so yeah, definitely cool, man. Um, Again, I appreciate you taking time to come on. We're really close to the holidays and, so much good insight. I got one final question for you and then we'll let you go, but what's the law and maybe you can't even answer it, but it's as a podcast host, I got to ask, what is the long-term plan for Indian motorcycle moving forward? Well, to keep winning races for sure. Uh, hopefully it's, it's in American flat track and King of baggers. And, you know, we dabble in, in hill climb and, and land speed for sure. You know, we're, we're going to come at 22, you know, all guns loaded. We're, 
we're going to pull out all the stops and and you know even with these rules we want to be on top of the box and you know we want to put Shayna there as well it would be a pretty big shame for her to make the jump to super twins and you know not be on a bike that she can be successful on so we owe it to her we owe it to our brand we owe it to our founders we owe it to the original wrecking crew to, to throw down so we're going to do that and you know we'll see how the season goes i'm you know aft's done some really good things with signing fox i think that's going to be a great change and and streaming is is going to change and i think that will be for the better um you know when we, we get all the details on that so you know, hopefully we get more exposure. Hopefully we continue to grow the sport. Um, you know, at the same time, we don't, we don't love restrictions, right? We don't love restrictor plate racing. So, you know, we're going to, we're going to see how the year goes and figure out our plans for 2023, you know, as, as that gets closer, but for right now it's, it's throw down and let's figure this stuff out. Now we've got a rule package. Do we love the rule package? No, we, we don't like it at all, but it is what it is and we want to win. So that's what we're going to go do. Well, I love that mindset, uh, Gary, appreciate you coming on the show. And, uh, if you want to bring a, a, a challenger, uh, to Volusia, I I'll take it home if you want to, if you got room in the truck. So, um, just, just throwing that out there. So, um, right on. I, I'm I'm sure we, can, we, can, we can get some of those. I mean, if we could, if our dealers had any, we for sure get you, get you some, but as you know, it's, there's nothing in stock anywhere in the country. So, uh, yeah, if you, if you see one of our bikes, so if anybody's listening, if you see one of our bikes in a dealership, buy it <laughs> because you, you don't know when another one's going to show up, but, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll figure out something at some point once we, once we get our dealers stocked up, Corey, for sure. <laughs> Gary, uh, I think every episode Corey and I talk and he just wants a challenger so bad. <laughs> he never stops about it. It's pretty funny. And I just he's just, he's I just jealous of all the all the seat time you get, Frankie, uh, in King of Baggers. Oh, and, you know, it's a it's <laughs> I it's a badass bike. I, I mean, I, yeah, I rode it to uh, Road America for for the King of Baggers, and it's it's kind of my bike of choice. And you know, I'm a I'm a long distance runner. I, I rode from here to the Sacramento Mile. You know, stuff like that. And man, if you like to go fast and want a bike that that hauls the mail and stops well and has great infotainment and good, good weather protection. That's, that's the bike. So Corey's got good taste. That's the weapon. <laughs> Love it. It is. All right. Well, have a good holiday, Gary. Thanks again for uh, Gary. Thanks for coming on and we'll, uh, we'll chat with you soon. Thanks. Yep. You too, Corey, Frankie, have, have a great Christmas with your families. Enjoy. And yeah, let's, let's, let's go you. get them next year. See you soon. Appreciate it. That's the plan. Yeah, Gary. Gary Gray, Frankie, that that couldn't have went any better, man. That was uh, it was hard to let him go. I had so many more questions, but man, what a good interview, dude. I like. I mean, obviously, I've I've worked with Gary and riding for Roland and Indian, and you know, I I spent some time talking with Gary, and man, he was he was one of like the best the best guests we've had on this. He was really open. He didn't really hide anything. He he didn't steer left on any of the questions. He just, he gave it to us. I like that. I like when, like when our guests are honest like that, that's cool. So good. So good. Yeah. I appreciate Gary for coming on the show. So Cody found better cell signal and we continued on with the interview. So here it is. So we got some questions from the fans, Cody, and uh, we've had some bad on this interview. We've had some some difficult with, with service. So you actually relocated and you have 
good service. I don't even know. I don't want to know what it took to do that, but uh, appreciate you finding good service to, to get the rest of this done. A lot of good questions from the fans, and then we'll follow up with the high low line. Um, so the first fan question, what is your favorite track to race at? Favorite track of all time would probably be Greenville, Ohio, half mile. Um, really like that place. First went there on a Kawasaki 85 and loved it ever since. I've always loved the little pea gravel cushion tracks. For some reason, that one's always stuck out to me. I've had some success there, had some highs, had some lows, but just such a fun track to ride, always spinning. Cody, the fans want to know, what's your mustache game like? Can you grow one of those? I cannot grow a mustache to save my life. Join the club. That's really unfortunate. <laughs> so you're, Max you're not definitely has me covered. Corey, I don't think has ever – I couldn't even imagine him with a mustache. So maybe you just Man. be like, like in your 30s. No face hair. It's nice. Don't get me wrong. It's not a bad thing. You don't have to shave. You look I grow facial hair, you. bro. It's just not, it's not like, it's not consistent. It's, it's like real trailer parky. So it's not even in the, like, I always like, ah, maybe, maybe now's the time that it, it'll just grow in awesome. And, and I'll look like a, like a man, you know? And, and then I start to grow it in. It's like, ah, it's still trailer parky. Let's just shave it off. So uh, I'm with you, Cody, but yeah, you're, you're young. So you'll, you'll be growing stashes in your mid twenties probably. Um, maybe early twenties, but definitely not on par with uh, Max stash game. Although he did shave it. So it's gone, which it's gone. I wouldn't be surprised if it comes back. Yeah. He needs to bring it back. I think that's his sort of a uh, deal now at this point. Um, I got one for you, man. How rowdy do you get on the mountain bike during the season? I think basically like what's your risk level? Like what's your, what risk do you take uh, during, during the season? Uh, I mean, it's kind of just, if you're thinking about getting hurt, you're going to get hurt. Like I just go out and ride my mountain bike when I'm riding it, ride my, I used to ride pit bikes and ride anything or do anything and do it to my potential. I don't do it at 40, 50% just because I'm scared of getting hurt. You always have the, you're not going to go riding the off-road courses out at the ORV parks at a hundred percent because you got all the unknowns, but like you got to still test yourself and test your reflexes and keep getting better at stuff where you're never going to succeed so like I don't think about getting hurt I mean if, it, if you get hurt you're going to get hurt I mean there's always the sports related injuries and if we can avoid them we're gonna but I'm not going to go out of my way to sit in the house all day and not ride my mountain bike because I'm scared of missing around I agree yeah I agree always, I like I agree. that yeah you, you gotta push man you gotta push it's I guess I'm getting older, man. If it's like, it, like all these guys down in Florida, Frankie, we're, we're all riding down there and Cody and Briar and Dallas and who I just everybody else. It's if they're hitting the 110 foot double, it's like, damn, I guess I'm doing that today. It's uh, <laughs> like, it'll be a week before evolution. Everybody's going full send on the motorbikes. Just the competitiveness within the sport is, is crazy sometimes, but yeah, no, nah, it's, Good answer, man. Um, Frank, you got the next one? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just happy those guys are keeping you young, man. Because you look, like, looks-wise, you look like you're about 12 and a half. So you look young, but those guys are keeping you young on the inside. So yes, you should be thanking them for that. Uh -huh. uh, okay, so next question from the fans. 
has it sunk in yet that Webb, Marvin Muskin, and Aaron Plessinger, as well as yourself, have the same bosses? It's pretty crazy, honestly. I've always looked up to those guys, supercrossers and motocrossers, and they almost just seem like, uh, I don't know, just super athletes in the 10th. But, yeah, it's pretty crazy to be based out of the same facility and the same bay pretty much there at KTM as those guys. And Yeah, have the same bosses that are all making the same calls, seeing our motors on the same walls, and knowing you can trust everybody in that facility is just super cool and a great thing to always have in the back of your mind. How long can yeah, you – no... Go ahead, Frankie. I was going to say, there's, there's no questioning that team over there. I mean, KTM is – kind of uh you know ready to race i think that's their motto and and they're not playing around you know they're go 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 and you know they make some of the best uh the best motorcycles out there and in the dirt bike world and and uh it's kind of it's really cool to see them transferring over their you know success and technology over to american flat track so um yeah really cool that you know having guys like like that, essentially, are your, you know, Cooper Webb and Aaron Blessinger are your teammates. That's, that's, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long can you wheelie a bicycle? So I'm, I'm not as good as, like, Billy Ross is, like, insane at wheeling a bicycle. I don't know if you've ever seen him, seen him wheelie a bicycle, but that kid is crazy. He can, I don't know, one time at Amateur Nationals, he wheelied it almost, like, a little over a mile, I think. We're all riding along on Groms. But I am not that talented. I can wheelie maybe, I don't even know. 50 feet would be a lot to ask for. Yeah, I'm not, man, I don't, I can wheelie a motor. Like I'm, I like popping wheelies on a motorcycle. Like I I do that every chance I get. And I'm, I guess I'm fairly decent, but whenever it comes to trying to wheelie a bicycle, I never figured it out. Um, Like, yeah, maybe 10, 15, 20 feet. It'll be like a clean 20 feet wheelie, but then it's, And that's it. Like, it's like, all right, that's all I got. So, um, yeah, I don't know, man. And, and jumping bicycles too. Like I suck at jumping a bicycle. I absolutely hate it. Um, not that I'm phenomenal at jumping a dirt bike, but I'll jump like pretty big jumps on my, on my dirt bike. And then I, like a little five foot tabletop on a bicycle. I have the hardest time with it. I just, uh, can't figure it out, but no, yeah, I, so- I agree. It's like, I just recently, not recently, a few, a few weeks ago, I switched to clips over on my mountain bike and just even getting the courage up to lift a front wheel now and not being able to bail out as fast is a little sketchy it's a little messing with my mind but uh i've only fallen over a few times and we're all good but jumping you just a bicycle, started clipping dude i've always been flat so i've never done anything uh, super gnarly blows my mind yeah you it's gotta wild it it's so much better to clip it it, it is, is tough I, though yeah yeah way and easier I right no more and uh whale a few weeks ago when we were in california a week ago or whatever and there was like some gnarly 50 100 foot cliff just right off my right side like three feet over and i'm 100 feet down and like clipped in i'm freaking out a little bit but by the end of the day i was like man clipping's so much nicer for climbing <laughs> when you Where panic you, in uh... clips and you and you go to jump out of a clip it your foot comes right off pretty yeah. quick yeah so it's pretty they're, quick they're fairly safe yeah yeah and honestly jumping with clips is better than jumping without clips i think but yeah i i agree now yeah 
Yeah, uh, we got one more, man, and then we'll do the high-low line. What is your strongest track size, and what are some of your goals for 2022? I guess we talked about the goals a little bit, but what do you feel is your strongest, let's say, discipline, like half-mile, mile, TT, um, whatever the other one is, short track, I don't know if I said that, and then, uh, like, what's your what's your best track? What's, what's Cody Cop's best track? I feel like my best track, and I – kind of showed my potential until I had a big save there TTs especially like Peoria or I showed good potential there at Atlanta I just love like the different all these different uh, obstacles are thrown at you right hand or off camera turn jump I've always grown up riding off road with dad it's what we basically learned to ride a motorcycle on is woods trails stuff like that and just having all these different obstacles coming at you super fast I feel like I succeed to the best of my abilities on a TT and I'm still learning on everything, but I feel like the TT is where I kind of have my head start on people. So I wish we had a few more of them, but yeah, like we have Castle Rock TT this year. I grew up racing there on a 65 and 50 and haven't been there since the 65 days, but that's like one of the tracks I'm looking forward to most going to be a cool one. Yeah. Yeah. Castle Rock. I'm, I'm actually pretty stoked on that as well. I really like racing out there. That's probably one of my favorite TTs. Do you know what the layout is, man? Like, are they doing the, the jump thing? Cause I heard they were going back to the old layout. I heard they're going back to like the old, old layout, but I haven't seen any pictures or anything. So I know just as much as everybody else, it'll just be cool. It's kind of my closest to home race five hours from home. Wow. That's still far for you. Damn. That's still a ways. Yeah, that's far. Um, well, let's do the high-low line, Frankie. You got the questions. You want to throw one out there, the first one? You know what? I got them, so I might as well jump in here. All right, here we go. We always ask We always ask uh, Parker or Carr to the early 2000s pros. So we're going to go a little bit later for you because you're obviously a little younger. Jake Johnson or Kenny Coolbath? I don't know. That's a tough one. I'd have to go with Jake. He's just got some, I don't know, just some different style watching old videos and always willing to just hang it out there. And I don't know. They're pretty similar to me in my eyes, but I definitely would have to go with Jake on that one. It's hard to go wrong with that one, to be honest. They're both really, really good friends of mine. And yeah, I thought that one was pretty interesting. Um, yeah, we always like we always ask some of the guys like Parker or Carr, Rossi or Marquez. Um, yeah, Jake Johnson or Kenny Coolbeth. But yeah, that's not a bad answer, man. Um, both legends. Both are yeah legends sure. on and off the track. Uh, I, I love both them guys. They're super rad people. Um, so you're a big KTM guy now, man. And I gotta ask, Webb or Plessinger? Who are you rooting for? <sighs> I'm going to go Plessinger just once again, just the different style, the different vibe he brings to that team. I don't know. I, I was a Kenny fan. I still am a Kenny fan for a long time. So I always just had that little bit of, man, I can't figure out why Webb's like that type sense in my back of my mind, like sitting on the starting line, writing this stuff on his clipboard on his, uh, whatever that is, the whiteboard thing. I was just like, always had that grin at him in a sense, like, man, this guy's a nut. But like I totally respect him, but I'm gonna go with Plessinger on that one. Just kind of the more shows you his true character. Yeah, me being like from the moto industry, I'm a 
I'm pretty close with both dudes, you know, um, Coop and, and Aaron. And there was even a time where I was working with both of them and, and they were both riding for the same team. And uh, I think it's really cool to see them both, both back under the same tent. And, you know, those two are like, it, it's like you and Max. They're just like, you know, Brendan and Dale, the two peas in a pod. So they work so well together and so much respect for both those guys. They're, they're going to have a killer year, especially on that new bike. It's a- uh, Next it's Next honestly kind of wild. It's honestly kind of wild to, uh, I don't know, see them on the same team and hear that they get along because, I don't know, they just seem like t- such different personalities to me. Yeah, I mean, Hoop's uh, pretty reserved um, in the public eye, but him and him and Aaron definitely have a lot of fun together. And, you know, those two, they get along so well and feed off each other. Both great guys. But uh, moving on to the next question, would you rather have a 16 race schedule or a 24 race schedule, and why? 24. Phew. 24 for sure. Let him get the question out. (laughs) 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 Stoked. Dude, it would be so sweet to have just like a crazy number of races like that. I hate how we have so many weekends off. Like already in my first season. It was driving me nuts having three, four weekends in a row off, just sitting around yeah, going to outlaw races. Not that I don't like or enjoy outlaw races. It's just like, man, the national stuff's so much different. It's just, if I could do it every weekend of the year, I, I, I probably would, but there's always a time you need some break. But 24 races would be good opportunity. It's kind of like Formula One they have. I don't even know how many. You can't be strong all year long, so everybody shines at different times. And I, I think it'd be good for our sport, honestly. It'd be It'd be cool to do one year with like a crazy number of races. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I hate the off weekends. Like I hate that we race and we have four weeks off and then we race and we have three weeks off. Like two years ago when we had the, it was like the COVID year, we had like double header, double header, double header. That was like my vibe, man. I love just racing and racing and racing and guys are getting burnt out and it's just like, man, let's go. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, you know, the more races, the better, um, the more chances you have to get paid. <laughs> so that's uh, never a bad thing. Uh, I got one more for you, man, and we'll let you roll. Um, trying to get your perspective on this as a young, young whipper. But uh, would you rather go six wins in a season and no championship or no wins in a season, but you win the championship? No wins in the chip for sure. Show you you're consistent. You're there to fight in the end. I mean, anybody, I mean, not anybody, but anybody can go win around and show their potential at one track, but it doesn't count in the end. It doesn't go up in the books that you were a champ. Yeah. 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 You're right. I mean, I, I don't know. I've, I've heard, I've, there's some guys that might, uh, I don't know. I pretty much everybody, everybody wants a championship. Right. But six wins, a lot of wins, you know, six so. is a lot. It's a lot. I think I think the correct answer for that is both. Are my six win are my six win bonus bonuses a bigger number or is my championship a bigger number? Yeah, and that's as honestly far as getting paid goes that honestly, like probably for me at least, six wins would pay way more than um no wins in a championship it just depends how you're set up but uh there's not yeah. there, you've seen our bonus checks from aft they're not that big cody had the biggest Huge. one for winning singles rookie of the year i think so 
yeah, the the bone. Well, I think Jared, the Super Twins, were one of one or two of them were decent. But yeah, the bonuses aren't. You know, unfortunately, AFT we don't get the championship bonuses like some of the other other disciplines do. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, at the end of the day, though, man, I get it. You want it, you want that number one play, and I'm with you. I'd rather I'd rather make no money and and win a championship than a lot of money and you know win a bunch of races. So it all depends how you're motivated. But no, I like that answer, man. That was that was a a seasoned answer. I like it for sure. Yo yo yo, guys, dad crashed the party. <laughs> smoke. Whoa, smoke. Smoke's here. What are you doing? Dude, What's up? Just, What's up? Just, thanks for le- thanks for keeping uh letting Cody on after hours. Well, it's almost time to take the take the phone away, right? Oh dude, exactly. that's why it's here. It's six fifty-six. Six screen time's about ready to shut her down. I'm, yeah, I'm kind of stickler in that. What's that? It's got four minutes till you shut it down. <laughs> yeah what's up man thanks for uh thanks for chiming in actually now that why why we got you how how stoked are you how different is it for uh for this coming year with a new deal and your your kind of your gig with the whole like you've been you know right hand man for so long it's what are your thoughts like how how are you looking going into the year yeah pretty excited for him and just the opportunity with the team and with ktm it's uh pretty neat deal he's got going and good off great opportunity at such a young age like this you know and uh i think you know honestly it's just luckily i was a racer that was able to do a lot of schools over the years and mini bike races you know outlaw races where you call them and so i saw a lot of racer dads that i knew i never wanted to be over the years which helped me uh you know hopefully never be like that towards cody at a race or at races and uh so I knew there was a time, Hey, we're still learning. He's still learning things. We're still learning things together. And we can still continue to learn that. I know, which we're, I don't want to take that away. And KTM doesn't want to take that away either. The little thing we got going, cause we have a pretty special card in our pocket that we can use against people, just a lot of experience, you know? And uh, mm-hmm. so if we use it in the right way, they've opened it up so we can do that. You are still work together a certain amount and, pretty excited i think it's going to be a neat combination and shoot might be able to sit in a beer garden and have a beer a little more often than i ever did which was never (laughs) see you there (laughs) yeah exactly exactly no it's pretty excited for for him for sure and uh excited for mom and dad to kind of save a little bit out of our pocketbook too (laughs) no that's awesome it's kind of what you guys work for your whole you know the whole amateur scene is to get to this point and it's pretty cool that it's actually happening as a, as a father of a four-year-old it's I've always admired how you guys kind of handled the uh, and I've I, you know, I've I think we've had this conversation of how you guys have handled the the whole deal with uh, just the mindset and the way the approach you guys have taken as a father son team. So uh, definitely a lot of, a lot of respect for how you guys done it and stoked man stoked for Cody and stoked for you. And uh, I'll, I'll see you guys few weeks right florida so yeah. i'm i'm excited you're racing man yeah i'll probably ride i'll probably ride big boy class on a bike and then i think i'm gonna ride the bull taco class too and here and there what the heck have some fun again i love it yeah pretty much whatever i use you as my example like for the for the expert class i'm like well experts pros blah 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 unless you're like joe cop then he can pretty much ride ride whatever <laughs> but oh, shit. <laughs> no i don't know i just i never want to make anybody mad as far as competitors so it's like 
I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to get beat. And if I just have to play that card every now and then, it's all about having fun for everybody and riding the bike. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you really right. used to piss me off when you raced the hooligan class because you used to <laughs> paddle me every race. But I mean, you can only get so mad because you know you're Joe Cox. <laughs> I will say I have this to my record currently. Last hooligan race we did, Damn I beat you. So Damn it. I'm feeling good about that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm I taking that I one know. to the grave with me. Exactly. You and Kilpatrick, and I was just like, oh man, this, this one's hurting, <laughs> but I'm just, yeah, not my night. Nope. Not your night. Yeah. <laughs> I might throw, I might throw more one more wild card at you, Frankie. So we'll see. Oh, I love it. I'd love it. <laughs> I can't wait. I just cool. wanted to say hi, guys. Chime in. Yeah. And I'll let you guys get back to it, man. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Good chat, right, man. Joe, good soon. to talk to you, man. Good talking to you. Thanks, guys. He came and crashed the party. Dude, I love it. I yeah, think – I'm trying to think. I thought maybe you and your pops were our first father-son guests, like, to ever have their own shows, but I'm wrong. And it's not a bad thing, man. You guys are the second. And the first was Kenny Roberts and Kenny Roberts Jr. So, oh, yeah. not a bad follow-up. Those guys are all right. Yeah, they've won. They're all right. Something or another in their lives. I mean, they're they're pretty. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty stout. So decent. Uh, love it, man. Well, that's pretty much done anyway, dude. I was appreciate you coming on and chatting and talking a little bit of smack. Um, like I said, you dodged the bullet with the pit bike deal because KTM doesn't make a one ten. So maybe we can get uh, Fillmore to throw us a couple uh, KTM senior two stroke jobs, and we can ride the. Uh, you know, we could ride something mini related. Um, That's what I was thinking. Just throw us on some like fifties or sixty fives, and close enough. Yeah, yeah. It's get cruise one too, so you can paddle both of you. Probably <laughs> that. That'd be what would happen, actually. Well, I was thinking if That's they, my guy right there. if he donates a couple for the for the challenge, we could just like I don't know, just give him the cruise, and you know, then then we're then we're set. But then cruise is set. Yeah, getting on that orange brigade. Love it. Um. Yeah, man. Winter throwdown coming up. Stoked you guys are going to make the trip. I remember remember last year you were leading a heat race and pitched it away. So hopefully better times ahead. <laughs> and uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, big fan. When are you coming down to Florida and how long are you staying for? Are you guys going to kind of base your training out of Florida this winter? Yeah, so the plan is right after Christmas here, I got to get my vehicle back down to Florida. And I also got a new motorbike from KTM. I got to get down there. So uh yeah we'll be down there right about first of the year right prior to the throwdown and then be down there till volusia back and forth a few times for some family stuff but yeah i'll be down there based in training out of florida again doing moto days at pax in orlando and bicycle days it'll be good with the whole crew awesome yeah i uh i just listened to a podcast today it was a uh, pulp mx with uh james stewart man bubba was on a pod oh yeah uh, he, he did a pod and then he was on a pod and uh, I actually liked him as a guest slightly better than him, his original. But anyway, he talked about Bithlow. And I don't know if you know Bithlow, but that's Orlando. So he yeah. was like, yeah, I grew up riding Bithlow. And I'd, grow out, I'd go out in the sea practice. And I would try to pass as many people as I could um, without getting taken out. <laughs> like, that was his training. He'd go out and see. And he would try to, like, pass people that were way slower as part of his training because – I don't know when you're that fast, I guess is what you have to do. But I'm like, Bithlow, dude, I freaking hate that place. But 
if Bubba Stew is right, it was, it was, you know, doing it every weekend, it's must be the move. So I'm going to try and make an attempt at Orlando a little bit more this year. Um, yeah. I, uh, I think it was just tough. You're on a 252, weren't you? Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. I was struggling with that. Just not having the power that all those guys have to just whack it out of a corner and go hit this huge double that, 250 is like everything it's got to make but then i see these guys on super minis and 125s going at it <laughs> yeah but that's, that's different hard. they know how to jump like yeah. uh is your new motorbike a 250 or 450 it's a 450 yeah you left me hanging dog dude i know I'm, I'm i'm like super excited because i've never had a 450 motorbike and i've rode it a few times now at Cahia down there or kawia i think they call it down in california area and man it is so much different so much fun just having that power and torque to bop straight up a big old uphill double or something man all right well guess i need to guess i need to get a 450 now because i'll be the i'll Step be the it up I'll be the lone wolf on the 250 frankie oh, i i'm bringing my 125 for the woods but that ain't gonna do shit for me at orlando i'll be getting stuck in the whoops or something so um, yeah Damn. All right. Get yourself, well, a, get yourself an adult bike, dude. Come on. I know. I'm just it. excited to actually like have a shot with the other guys. I was just getting dropped big time and I'm not going to blame it on my terrible moto skills. I'm going to, I'm going to say it was my power of my bike. Exactly. Maybe I'll stay on the 250 then. Cause that leaves me an excuse for when it leaves uh, you a valid excuse, <laughs> yeah, <there we> go. <laughs> especially in the sand. It's like, come on, like a Trent, like Trent will just like, whatever goof up a corner and then just pin it and just clear the jump it's like come on bro like that was the 450 it wasn't you he's like well and, and you say something to trend he gets thinking too hard he starts to hurt himself i'm like i'm just kidding dude like it's fine <laughs> so <laughs> um but cool man yeah it was good chat obviously getting you on the show and we'll uh we'll catch up with you soon man winter throwdown not too far away so uh yeah thanks again we'll see you there all right, Cody. Have a good one, bro. All right. Thanks, Corey. Thanks, Frank. Cody, thanks, for thanks for coming on, dude. And again, congratulations. Thanks, guys. Yep. Later. All right. Well, Frank, that was uh, obviously a great show. You've been on the side of the road now for quite some time doing this pod. Uh, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna t tighten up the audio the best we can. With uh, we had some uh, some cellular issues with Cody. He lives in Washington. It's it's a state. It's up in the Northwest. I'm just kidding. It's uh, it's really far away. <laughs> it's really, what a unique freaking state. I mean, it is like, I don't know. It's, you yeah. ever heard of Canada? It's like near that. Oh yeah. It's, it's Alaska pretty much. So service yeah. is a little spotty, but we'll tighten it up. Um, apologies for any of the audio um, that you've heard to this point that wasn't wasn't super crisp but yeah he they went and got some good audio for us and we finished up the show so appreciate it i obviously great freaking pod with cody and gary gray and we even got a special appearance from smoke joe cop as well so uh, yeah that so was cool that was gold frankie appreciate you coming on man of course dude you know i love doing this and i got a lot of questions for a lot of people so i like hearing hearing stuff and you know getting the information and yeah, tonight tonight was a cool one with you know obviously Cody and his signing KT signing with KTM and and then uh, Gary Gray man like I said before just a lot of information from that guy he doesn't hold back and that's awesome that's what we want on this show. 
Yeah, and again, quick shout out to the sponsors, Bell Power Sports. Appreciate all they do for us. Check out their website, bellhelmets.com, Yamaha Motorsports and Yamaha Racing, uh, motorcycle ATV side-by-side, snowmobile and power products, Yamaha revs your heart, Indian Motorcycle. I think we're gaining traction on the Challenger, Frankie. I think uh, I think we're gaining some traction on, on the C-Tech Challenger. Yeah, well, the next thing I know, I'll, I'll he'll give me a challenger. The only stipulation is you got to race the the king of baggers. So, uh, might 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 be doing that down the road. But um, no, nah, I just since 1901, Indian motorcycle has been the choice of riders who make their own rules. Big supporters of, as, as you've heard from Gary Gray, man, they support everything. They love racing, and they're uh, they have a winning mindset, which is always refreshing to hear. So appreciate them for supporting us and then roof systems of dallas texas jerry stinchfield commercial roofsystems.net jerry and his team have nearly 40 years of experience and if you're in the market for commercial roof he's your man that's it subscribe soundcloud itunes spotify uh appreciate everybody for tuning in winter throwdown is right around the corner i'm hoping to get one more pod in before then with the holidays coming up we'll, we'll at least get one more in but check out the website yeah. winterthrowdown.com Sponsored by Mission Foods is our presenting sponsor of the Winter Throwdown this year. We got Cody Cops coming, Factory KTM, Essenson Racing, uh, a massive lineup of riders. I've heard a rumor Briar Bauman might be making an appearance in the Factory Indian. I'm, I may have heard that too. Yeah, so it'll be big. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. If you guys have any questions on the event, hit me up. We'd love to have you there as a rider spectator. We do our best to run an efficient show. We have a double header, the seventh and the eighth, and the practice on the sixth. Um, again, the website is winterthrowdown.com, Callahan Speedway in Callahan, Florida. We'll be doing some live content on my Facebook race page, Corey Text the Racing. But if you want to catch the action, watch some of these these guys go at it. It's the off season. They're hungry. They gotta eat. They're gonna be uh, riding hard for that Mission Foods support money. Uh, come out to Callahan Speedway in Florida, and uh, and it's a great event. We have a lot of fun with it. So appreciate you guys as well. And Frankie, that's a wrap, buddy. We're uh, we out.